Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. Let's go to the phones. And joining us, as he does every Saturday at 10 o'clock, is our good friend and one of our favorite contributors, Nate Solinsky from Tightline Outdoors. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. We're talking a lot of fishing, but before we get into it, because I know you got a lot to cover, we had CPW on. We were talking about resources for hunting uh, and telling people it's not too early to start thinking about this, to start checking your gear. In fact, we're going to talk about firearm malfunctions in the last segment of the show, but they brought up the fact that the series of videos on Colorado Parks and Wildlife is being done by our own Nate Zielinski. That's it, Terry. I tell you, this has been a really exciting content series. It's called the Big Game Hunting Series, uh, you know, hosted and delivered by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And we've partnered up, and we've been doing a lot of stuff. And it's a combination of live feeds you can find on their Facebook page and Instagram page, uh, as well as their YouTube channels and their websites. And we're walking you through everything to do with big game hunting. So we walked you through applying for licenses. We talked about scouting. We've talked about gear. Uh, just this week, we go into really a heavy phase of, of phase one of scouting. Because um, honestly, Terry, as much as people are like, man, it just started to get summer, it's time. We start our phase one of scouting, which is basically food, water, and bed. And we start that once the calves hit the ground. Well, I'll tell you, the, the news has hit. Uh, fawns and elk calves are hitting ground as we speak. We started seeing them about four to five days ago, uh, and really this weekend has been heavy for for the calf drop and fawn drop. Um, So it's time to get out, do some digital scouting, uh, get out there, find the food, water, bed, and then really in about 12 days from now, we drop another video uh, that's going to really cover into the the long-range scouting. We're actually looking for animals. So, yeah, stay tuned to that. You jump on any of the outlets from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, uh, search out the big game hunt series and there's a lot of cool stuff regarding hunting and it is definitely uh that time of year uh, i know that people get mad and they're like man it's just summer lay, lay off don't talk about fall uh but if you're a hunter and you want to create more success now's the time to start getting into it well, we say it every year and of course you'll be doing a lot of the same things right here on this show you'll get into your big game updates on a yep. weekly basis and and you'll keep people right in tune with exactly what's going on a lot of times right from the field that day and you know you don't have to make scouting drudgery. Get up and take a camping trip up where you're going to hunt. There's a lot of streams and small lakes. Go on a fishing trip. Just check out the terrain. You can combine it with a lot of other things. Let's talk some fishing, Nate. What's going on? It's just going. It's happening everywhere. Everything's happening. You know, but I, I want to touch base on a couple things. A couple of weeks ago, we had a show uh, really dedicated to, like, the little nuances, the little niches, the little fine-tuning uh, that gets anglers there. We talk so often how anglers are 90% of the way to success, and they're just missing the little thing. Uh, you know, we talked about snaps and, and just all of breaking down the water column, and that's how you go from catching a few fish to catching a lot of fish. I want to break down some of the bites in the state and talk about those little things. Uh, the, the year that we've been having so far continues, Terry. I, I've never had such a great year for fishing. Um, but, you know, you, you, you talk to people at the boat docks, and you run into the average angler that are struggling, and there's so many little things that as a guide and, and tournament angler we do on a daily basis that we don't really think about it's kind of mindless to us because we just do it but we you know when talking to other anglers you realize the little things 
um, th- that are making them miss opportunities. So I want to talk about that real quick. I'm just going to break down a couple of the bites um, and talk about the little things that are changing it. So we are now in our summer pattern pretty much everywhere. Uh, even your high country lake trout stuff, we've moved past that kind of spring gangbuster bite. The fish are now kind of on that deeper water summer patterns. Um, and everything is in those summer patterns. We're starting to get those really glassy, calm mornings. Obviously, we get our little thunderstorms and wind in the afternoon. Um, but we are in that summer pattern where I'd say that some anglers are doing really well and thriving, and some anglers are, are even seeing some little struggle points. So uh, we're going to start off talking about trout. Now, I'm doing a lot of this focus on Antero, spinning 11 mile. But if you're fishing, you know, Middle Park or North Park, uh, a lot of the same type stuff is going to apply. Um, even though there's a lot of water coming in, our reservoirs are clear, and we're really dealing with those calm conditions uh, in the first half of the day. You know, glassy conditions, lots of bug hatching, and I'm seeing anglers struggle with that. And we're really fishing these fish in, in various ways. So like this week when I was guiding some trout fishing trips, how I fish in a morning trip versus how I fish in an afternoon trip are night and day difference. So when I get there and that water's calm and glassy, there's bugs hatching, fish are rising, but they're very much into a natural presentation. When I get out there and I'm fishing for these fish in those calmer conditions like that, I am really trying to have a, a very much a feeding presentation and I want it to be as natural as possible. So if I'm using super line on my rod, I'm adding a long fluorocarbon leader. Even if I'm using mono, I'm really focused on light line, clear line. I want to make sure they don't see that. And I'm fishing natural presentation, smaller tube jigs, say a two and a half inch natural colored tube, like a pumpkin pepper or an olive or a black, um, even a lot of hair jigs right now, uh, you know, especially in the marabou form, not so much a, a buckskin or a, a bucktail type skin. Um, we're really focused on those real soft marabou jigs, almost like a leech pattern jig uh, and smaller, again, that inch and a half, two inches on those hair jigs. But we are all about that natural presence. And when we talk about hair jigs, I think everybody thinks about casting out a jig and, and jigging it on bottom. But when you're at those those real weedy, shallow fisheries like the Antero or Spinney, uh, you know, or, or Delaney Buttes or Lake John, you don't really have a lot of options to fish the bottom. There's there's vegetation and weed growth on the bottom. So we're actually swimming those jigs in. You could swim them fast enough to where that jig's a, a foot below the surface. So in those situations, we're taking those natural presentations, Passing them out, a lot of rod tip action, and swimming those jigs in. And it's really that lighter, natural presentation. We're catching a lot of fish. Um, you know, and it's crazy because you talk to me about trout so many times, and I'm like, hey, if you're going fishing, you know, we're about the Tasmanian devil, the uh, cast master. We're spoon fishermen, jerk baits. We're working baits aggressive. Um, and I see anglers doing that, and they have the right lure, the right cadence. Everything's right. The problem is they're doing it in the wrong time. So morning, calm conditions, I'm all about that natural presence. Now, all of a sudden, you know, that 11 o'clock, noon, 1 o'clock, we start getting those thunderheads building. We start seeing those little breezy, windy conditions. At that point in time, the second I get chop on the water, that's when I drop the jigs. I go back to that very much reaction fishing. For me, it's always that Tasmanian devil, that half ounce, which is a 13 and a half at ground, gram t- Taz. 
Um, I am bombing these spoons. I have a low rod tip. I'm really aggressive. I'm adding a, a very aggressive twitch to it. Um, that wind darkens the surface. It pulls the, the bug life and the, the scuds up towards the surface. The fish now look up instead of looking down at those hatches coming off the weeds. Um, and it is gangbusters on. But it's funny because I see anglers miss the timing of these presentations. And they work all day for five fish as opposed to having, you know, 50, 60 fish mornings and 50, 60 fish afternoons um so again it's the small things timing it right having the right cadence at the right time that's producing those fish i couldn't agree with you more before we move on to some other things i want steve panaz a good friend of mine a hall of fame angler was on just a couple weeks ago with us and we talked hair jigs and marabou and it's kind of funny you bring it up again now and i can remember 20 30 years ago before we had the good plastic and scented and baits we have now they were all the rage, hair and marabou, and they kind of lost favor because they weren't as sexy as some of the new baits. But, boy, if people haven't fished hair and marabou, and you can use them anywhere. They're, you can use them anywhere flies and lures are allowed. Um, and they're just, they can be deadly. It takes a little more skill to understand because you've got to visualize the action, but well worth making them part of your arsenal. Absolutely, Terry. It's like a lost art. Half the retailers you go to, you can't even find hair jigs. You know, again, you'll you'll see more of that that stiff hair jig, uh, more in like a walleye category. But a true marabou, almost swimming leech style jig, um, they're even almost hard to find. I think every angler should have them. They're inexpensive and they're extremely effective. Honestly, uh, you know, our good friends, you know, throughout the years working back and forth with with our folks at Eagle Claw, um, right there at the Eagle Claw outlet, they have a ton of different hair jigs right there. Uh, I was in there the other day and I was blown away at how many hair jigs were available so anyway grab a hair jig throw it in your arsenal um now let's jump favors uh and let's talk about walleye fishing so you look at chatfield cherry creek pueblo that walleye bite is on um i will say that i would say that these fish are just slightly pickier than i've seen them in the last couple years now with that being said we're still having 50 to 80 fish days we had a corporate event out yesterday on cherry creek four boats uh, I think the, we all had a little, uh, you know, a little, little competition going on amongst all the tight line guides. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the lowest amount of fish caught was 50 per boat. The highest was 80 per boat uh, in about five and a half hours of fishing. So the bite is on. But with that being said, I am seeing just these fish being slightly pickier. Uh, and I know people laugh at that saying you have an 80 fish day. How are your fish picky? But they are. Um, so the little things are going to help you out. So let's just talk uh, with walleye in general right now. So I had a situation at Cherry Creek where I've been throwing a lot of blade baits, where I've been throwing a lot of, like, paddle tail jigs, three-and-a-half-inch little swim bait paddle tail jig. We were just crushing fish on that last week. This week, they, they started – they're still taking those presentations, but it slowed down a hair. They really are into the meat. So when we say meat, crawlers and leeches. So we took the same area that we were throwing jigs on, uh, especially those, you know, twister tails, paddle tails, blade baits, and now we lightened that jig up. So instead of going from, like, a three-eighth-ounce jig or a half-ounce jig, I went down to a quarter-ounce because, again, I'm not a lightweight fisherman. Uh, I'm all about those heavy jigs. Uh, but like Matt Inslee, Will, they went to a quarter ounce or a 32nd ounce, 16th ounce. Um, but we went to real small jig heads with a crawler with a leech um, and casting those real small jig heads out and doing a real slow lift. So instead of a, an aggressive twitch, a slow lift. And all of a sudden, those walleyes, it is literally almost every cast when you make that adapt 
from from your paddle tails, swizzle tails, blade baits to a live bait presentation on a lighter lighter focus. Um, crazy how many more fish I caught. Little details. Austin was just on. He talked about slow death. What an awesome technique! It's literally a long Aberdeen Aberdeen hook that's got a big bend in it. Uh, the idea is you thread a night crawler on it. Um, you can do a live crawler when the water warms up here in about a week. We even start using artificial crawlers on that. But that bait basically rotates as you drag it along bottom. So as you drag it through the water, it's got a great spin. The idea is to eliminate you know blades, propellers, eliminate hardware on your tactic. Let your actual live bait create the vibration create the movement that entices those fish so it's a great technique um i've been pulling that on a small cannonball weight three quarter rounds i pull it between 0.7 and 0.9 miles an hour but the small details a week ago i was using six pound monofilament on that slow death so from my weight to my hook i have about four feet of line i was running six pound mono catching a ton of fish this week i actually stiff stiffened it up and I went to 10-pound mono. So I went with a 10-pound Trilene XT monofilament leader. I stepped that up to basically make it a little stiffer to where I didn't get as much side-to-side, and I tightened up the twist on that bait. So as the water warms up, I tightened up to where I get more spin out of that crawler. So if I'm going to 6-pound to 10-pound, I probably increased my catch 40%. So when you're having high-number days, Adding another 40% fish is drastic. Uh, catch more fish, you catch bigger fish, you catch more keepers. Everybody's happy. So the little details are changing so much right now. Same thing with the lake trout world. I've been doing a ton of lake trout fishing this spring, having the, the best big fish season I've ever had. I've never seen this many lakers over 40 inches. Um, they are now in that deep water structure. We're fishing jigs, fishing plastics, fishing all kinds of crazy stuff to them. But at this point now, they have seen all the tube jigs out there they've seen all the big bondy baits they've seen all the big plastics um to where they're starting to get picky the water's clear it's not as windy it's not as rough it's not snowing on us so a lot of times now a little bit more finesse when i say finesse we're using longer leaders so we're using super line on our main line i run fire line but instead of running a, a six or eight foot leader now we're running a 10 to 12 foot leader so they don't see it now instead of using any old jig head now we're very focused on a dark jig head. So no silver, uh, you know, no steel. We're using nickel-coated hooks. We want that hook to appear dark to where they cannot focus on it. We're really cleaning up our knots, no tag-ins on those knots. Um, so really cleaning up that presentation are the tricks to, to having a very successful day. So we're at that point now to where I promise you the fish are biting. If you're not having success, really take a time to think about what you're doing because this is that time of year, especially in the mornings when things are calm, you need to adapt to create that success. We are about out of time, but real quick, I want to make a comment. You go back to the light jigs you were throwing at uh, Cherry Creek. You know, a lot of people have a tough time making a presentation with those extremely light jigs. If you're an inexperienced angler, Nate, put a uh, just a hook on into your line, put a split shot up maybe a foot or two, and you can go just a little heavier than the jig head you would use, and it keeps you in the bottom field but still gives you that action on the bait. Yeah, yeah, that worked absolutely great yesterday. We had a couple anglers that didn't want to jig, so we ran a size 8 hook, and that's a big trick to that. Again, everything's got its trick. So many anglers want to put on a, a size 4 hook, 
and it weights down that leech. It weights down that crawler. Run a size 8 octopus hook. It's super light. Your worm can move. Your leech can swim. And we were actually going 18 inches up. We were running two number 5 split shot. So two size 5 split shot, 18 inches up, size 8 hook. That bait was swimming. Cast it out. You can let it sit or you can slowly drag it, but absolutely a dynamite technique. So, so great concept there. We are out of time. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? Absolutely. You can go to our, our Facebook page, Tightland Outdoors. We have a lot of stuff going on there. We always have our website. We have our catch rate season going on. I know we're getting a ton of calls for Father's Day coming up. We're doing a ton of gift cards for that. So if you want to get out with us, uh, you know, have the family give, a, give us a call. Shoot us an email. We can get you a gift card set up for Father's Day. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on. But, again, just Tightland Outdoors. Uh, and we're also getting ready to launch a podcast soon. We're going to update our YouTube channel soon. Uh, so a lot of great stuff happening here at Tightland. So definitely just stay tuned to all of our outlets. And we'll have more stuff for you coming soon. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. All right. Nate Zielinski. We're, we're going to take a time out and we come back. Ben Garcia, our dog trainer, is going to join us. He's got some tips about walking your dog and maybe a little help for how to deal with the fireworks that are coming up. All that and more on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the front range for all your outdoor needs, including a lot of the dog training accessories that we talk about right here with our dog training expert, Ben Garcia from Hideaway Kennels. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's a beautiful day, but it's a hot day, so uh, people need to be aware of their dogs and things like that, but... I know you talked last week about hydrating. It's so important. We're going to get into other things, but, boy, this hot weather hydration is important, isn't it? It really is. I mean, you really have to pay attention. I mean, unfortunately, by the time you notice it, it's probably too late, just like in me and you, if you're out hiking or spending time outside in this weather. It's just something to keep in the back of your mind. And you and I talked during the week, and sometimes you said it's some of the simplest things when people are training well, a hunting dog in particular, but any dog, yeah. um, that they do wrong. And one of those you really kind of surprised me with was taking your dog for a walk. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we see it, you know, when we're in town or if we're on a walk, you know, me and my wife with our dogs is, every, depending on what predominant hand you use, if you're right-handed, you want your dog to heal on the left side. If you're left-handed, you want the dog to heal on the right side. And that's just due to how your gun ejects. I mean, that's how that started in, in hunting dog training is, if the shell is ejecting, the idea was then the dog's on the left if you're right-handed. But one thing we see a lot of people make mistakes is that they'll walk with their dog on the left, and then whoever they're walking with, whether it's a friend, their partner, you know, their spouse, um, they'll have that person on their left. And it, what it does is it confuses the dog of who they're actually healing for. So what we recommend is have the person you're walking with walk on the opposite side of you so your dog only sees you, not them. And it pulls them in a little bit tighter to you and just gives you a little bit of advantage while you're out on that walk and enjoying this nice weather we're having. You know, that's such a great tip, and it's such a small thing. We were talking about some of the little nuances of fishing earlier, but sometimes it's little things like that that, you know, until we talk to you, and I've had dogs my whole life too, and I never even thought about that, but yet obviously it makes a huge difference. Now, one of the things, I, another thing you don't like are dog parks. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting to watch them become popular, and um, they served a great purpose when they started of giving dogs a place to exercise, a place to run, um, especially for those that live in the city. 
but we're just seeing a lot of problems come out of dog parks with dogs and puppies and and, uh, and not just hunting dogs. You, you can read online about the problems with even pets of some of the issues that come from the dog parks. And why is that? Just because there's so much chaos, they're out of control. What? 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 Yeah. Well, the... it's two. You know, I mean, one is there's no there's no regulating of who, what dogs coming in there, what dog behaviors are going to happen there because it's off leash. You know. So it's really just kind of chaos, hoping to wear some energy off of a dog. And um, and my personal belief, and, and some people may not like hearing this, but it, the truth of it is if you have time to go to the dog park to exercise your dog, you have dog, you have time to train. And then that individual time that you could spend 30 minutes a morning with your dog instead of letting him run around and get a bunch of bad habits or get bumped by an older dog, you know, or have pick up a disease, pick up some kind of problem, you really could take that time to work obedience, to work some retrieves, to work some woes, and give that dog's eye contact on you, not on other dogs. Because ultimately what you're teaching your dog in repetition is every morning we're going to get up and we're going to go have chaos. And in the big picture, if that's what's going to happen with the dog you live with, you know, I mean, there's a great saying I heard the other day, and I was talking to a dog obedience with trainers, you know, you, 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 get the, you get the dog you pet. So you get the product you produce. So if every morning it's chaos, let's get them wound up, let's go to the dog park, and you get to run around and be crazy, you're starting your day off with your dog with that same behavior. So really the dog parks, the only benefit is burning up energy, but, you know, we're seeing a lot of fear, a lot of aggression. Um, I mean, God forbid, like if your dog got attacked and bit pretty bad in one, a pretty good bill. And, um, and also most people go to dog parks on Saturdays and then you're looking at an emergency vet. You know, there's just a lot of things you could do instead of that. You know, for exercise, we live in Colorado. You can go for a hike. You know, for, for as far as socialization of your dog, some people believe they're doing, you know, there's two tips. One, I, I would say hire an obedience trainer and, and do some, the proper way to introduce dogs, the proper way to avoid, you know, fear or avoid aggression. Um, the other one is walk your dog around the fence, you know, to work some heels, work some sits or some woes, and let the fence be the barrier so you don't have an aggression issue or a fear issue. And if you want them to be around other dogs and socialize, put that barrier between there, especially if you have a little pup. I mean, the last thing you want to do is take a three-month-old pup to a dog park, have a big dog bump it, and then all of a sudden you've imprinted fear on your dog of being around other dogs. And it just really comes back to haunt you in the big picture of, of owning a dog. Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've never used dog parks, but I can really see yeah. what your points are. One of the things I want to talk to you, though, before we run out of time is 4th of July is coming. We're going to start hearing a lot of fireworks in the neighborhoods. And then, of course, we'll have the big fireworks show as we get close to 4th of July. Both hunting dogs and house dogs sometimes really react negatively to that. What can I do? Yeah, it really does. And in fairness to the dogs, you know, they're going 10 months with no noise at night to all of a sudden chaos. You know, in in Colorado, it starts in, like, June. (laughs) You know, I think we love fireworks here. It starts early. But... Some things I recommend, and I really like talking about this because the 4th of July can either be really good experience for you and your dog or, or tragedy. And um, it's a fun thing to talk about and explore ideas on. Um, I obviously like to crate train my dogs. I, we feed our dogs in crates. If they're in the house, we let them sleep in there. We give them toys in there. I believe they den in those. They mimic being in nature. They mimic having a place to, to sleep. And um, we use it as a positive experience. So what I like to do is start them off in a crate. And I like to put a radio on top of there. And um, I'll start off with, like, talk radio. I'll start off with, you know, classical music, something to get them used to it. Then move into some heavier, you know, like rock music as you get into to the 4th of July. Because let's face it, the bass drum on that music 
is going to mimic a loud noise and you're kind of getting them adjusted and getting ready for it if they have that radio on there. And um, it also helps so then when the 4th of July comes, you can put them in a crate and then they're used to that noise and you can actually turn the radio up a little bit to muffle some of the sound and they've already imprinted and mem- or memorized that, that noise coming from the top. Um, I really, you know, there's some other things you can look at, Terry. You know, there's these, these like thunder blankets. There's some things you can do that and vests and shirts you can put on dogs that help calm them. Um, Rex Specs has, you know, they make dog goggles for dogs when you're out hunting or hiking. They have a new ear production, ear, ear production product you can put on that actually goes over your dog's head and muffles the sound. They designed it for military dogs, but a lot of people have been using them for fireworks or loud noises for non-hunting dogs too. And you simply slide them over their head, muffles the sound and takes quite a bit of the noise out. But if you're going to do a product like Rex Specs's product, you're, you're going to want to do it way before the 4th of July to get them used to it. Um, the other thing to think about is I would make sure before the 4th of July, if you have a dog that is scared of fireworks, make sure your ID tag is caught up on your dog in case they do run. Make sure the right phone number is on there, the right address is on there in case your dog does slip out from you. And the, the other thing I would say that we see a big mistake of problems on the 4th of July is people taking dogs to parties. You know, they want to socialize them. We, we've all been in this this COVID thing where we haven't been around people and we're starting to get around them and they can go and take my dog and, and have it around folks. You know, and the, the bad thing about that is the fireworks are right there in their face and, and their life hasn't been imprinted to that point of that behavior. So leave them at home if you're going to a party. There's plenty of other times to get them out. Invite somebody over during the week instead of the 4th of July. Don't bring them out where there's fireworks going off in their face, fireworks go around them because, you know, I mean, Animals live in three movements. It's fight, flight, fight, or fear. You know, I mean, flight, pause, or fear, you know, or run, you know, I mean, so we want to have them in, in a good behavior where they're comfortable. And, and the 4th of July is not the time to get them out to use to those noises. So, yeah. Ben, we are out of time. I did want to get to talking yeah. about your tr- your training and how you sure. take a dog. And, and I think the next time we get you on, let's dedicate some time to that because I think people need yeah, to understand what you do a little better. Um, real quick, if you get a dog in, do, you, do the people leave a dog with you or do they bring it daily or how, how does that work? Yeah, we're a board and train facility, so we have the dogs in for six weeks. They stay with us. Um, it really gives them so there's no distraction. That day when we go out there and we're throwing birds or we're whatever we're doing that day, that's the first thing they've seen that day, and it just lights that dog's up, that personality and brings those genetics out to love birds. Um, if they start the day off with wrestling, if they start the day off with going for a walk or playing around, there's not a lot of focus. So we like to have them stay with us. It gives us that focus, that full attention. And um, and just pulls out that bird dog that that's in them that we're just purely addicted to and love seeing with the dogs. We'll get more into that next time you come on. But yeah, always, sure. as always, Ben, really, really great information. I'll put this podcast up on my Facebook, folks. Uh, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, because I think with the Fourth of July coming up, there's just a ton of good information. Ben, uh, tell people yeah. how they get a hold of you. Yeah, they can reach us on our webpage, which is hideawaykennels.com, or our Facebook page, which is Hideaway Kennels, and we love to have people visit it and, and check out what we do. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Have a good weekend. You bet. Ben Garcia. We're going to take a time out. We come back. One of our good friends is going to join us, and we're going to talk about firearms, malfunctions, lack of ammunition, a lot of things going on. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry 
Push Some Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, serving the outdoor public for over 65 years. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Clays, one of our favorite contributors, Jr. Good morning, Jr. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thank you for patiently waiting, but our friend Ben really had some really good points, I thought. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I've said it over and over, Terry. Ben is one of the most knowledgeable dog guys I've ever been around. So, yeah, good information as always. So what's going on out at Colorado Clays? Well, Terry, we got another absolutely beautiful weekend to come out and shoot some targets here at Colorado Clays. Uh, Everything's open. All seven of our ATA traps, our training trap, our wobble traps, skeet fields good to go. Uh, That sporting clays course is gorgeous. The the trees are blooming and leafing out. Uh, Rifle and pistol range ready to roll. So just all of our normal stuff wide open, uh, ready for some fun. You know, we talk a lot and uh, about getting ready for activities, whether it's getting ready to practicing for maybe competitive clay shooting or especially getting ready for hunting or maybe being ready for self-defense. You guys see a lot, you know, we're talking already about getting ready for hunting because so many people wait till like a week before and they show up and something's wrong with their gun. What do you see as far as gun care and failures when people come out at the range? Yeah, wow, Terry. You know, I think we could probably fill your whole show with the value of uh, maintenance and care of your firearms, but uh, I think I can touch on a few points, might have some really good information. Uh, And here at Colorado Clays, being Colorado's premier public shooting range, we literally see tens of thousands of firearms come through our facility each year. And even though the majority of these guns are well-maintained and function properly, we do see a percentage of them act up in various ways due to lack of or improper maintenance. And I can run through some examples of these things we see that may be helpful to someone who encounters one of these situations. So as far as pistols are concerned, uh, you know, revolvers are generally very tolerant to less frequent cleanings as compared to semi-automatic type pistols. Having said that, of course, you'll find that Some cleaning and a few drops of a quality lubricant, which we do, of course, sell at Colorado Clays, will make your shooting session much more pleasant due to a smoother overall operation. Uh, Just just makes it much more enjoyable. Now, semi-auto pistols should be cleaned and lubricated more frequently due to more metal-to-metal moving parts and fouling that occurs due to exposure to powder residues, which are really unavoidable due to the the design and mechanics of their operation. Uh, A typical symptom of a dirty semi-automatic is short cycling. And what I mean by that is the action has so much drag due to dirt and or lack of lubrication that it won't move back far enough to eject the spent round and therefore may require a manual assist after each shot, which is very annoying but very preventable with just a little TLC now and again. Now, I must say, Terry, that I do see short cycle situations on certain pistols, particularly new ones that have a tighter spring for cycling the action and the cure for that, either permanently or temporarily until the spring breaks in, is to use ammunition with a heavier projectile or a higher muzzle velocity that applies enough back force to cycle the action. Um, and that, that's really the cure for, for that. But sometimes those can get mixed up. Uh, people might think their gun is dirty when it's actually new or a particular gun that requires a little more back force. 
Now, as far as the rifles, uh, muzzle loaders typically see so few rounds per year that many of the hunters just do an annual cleaning. Uh, those who shoot them more tend to focus largely on cleaning the bore because lead balls and black powder are dirty and could affect the accuracy due to excessive fouling. Um, of course, bolt guns are fairly tolerant to some degree of neglect, um, but when you're breaking in a barrel or using certain ammo, it is always good to follow your manufacturer's recommendations for cleaning intervals and you know, important always to keep the, good in, the gun in good working condition for safety as well. Um, now, hunters, you do need to make sure that the lubrication you use on your rifle is able to tolerate the coldest conditions you may encounter in the field. And I've seen this many times. Guys come out, they get ready. Uh, they don't check the, the cold weather aspect of the lube they use. They get out in the field, and it's below zero, and that gun feels um, like you're trying to plow it through, um, you know, molasses. So choosing the right lube all year long can really pay dividends later. Now, semi-auto rifles and shotguns will really mirror the situations and symptoms we discussed with the semi-automatic pistols. Excuse me. Another important note is that, and we see this a lot, Terry, some of the pump shotguns have such tight tolerances in the barrel that they are hard to actuate with steel-based ammo uh, and a breeze with the more expensive brass-based ammo. And really throughout the year, we have many customers come up asking to borrow lubrication, uh, trying different things when uh, it's really not a lubrication issue. It is uh, an ammo issue. So uh, that can be fixed and, and, and uh, sometimes easier uh, just by asking one of the pro staff at Colorado Clays because we do see this. And I think really the moral of the story is that simple and proper maintenance of your firearm will increase its life and make your outings much more enjoyable and uh, certainly come to Colorado Clays, talk to the pros, and we can help you move in the right direction if you're having an issue. You know, if, if you know, so many people are going to wait no matter how much we tell them they need to get out and shoot till a week or two before hunting season. What is the biggest failure that you see when they come in to sight in their hunting rifle that costs them maybe even being able to get out or that they need parts or that, that they've waited too long. What do you see there the most? Well, certainly, Terry, uh, you know, the loose scope or the the bad scope or a scope that um, has been dropped or bumped and is off and we need a new scope, they're running out of time. And particularly in 2021, like everything, it takes longer to get one or you may have to settle for something you didn't like and then come out and re-sight in. So, just that overall gun scope package is one thing. Uh, ammunition, not just availability, but finding your most accurate load is extremely important because most guns um, really prefer a certain load to be their most accurate load. And if you don't get ahead of the pack and uh, get yourself some options on ammo and some leftover ammo, you could be sitting there wishing you had that and may not have enough to do a good sight in, and it may cost you an opportunity of a lifetime. So those are two of the, the most frequent ones we see with the last-minute rush. Uh, always encourage everyone to get out early, come in, do it at a relaxed pace, um, make sure your gun is tight, sighted in well, make sure you have ammo, and you'll be ready while everybody else is chasing their tail. Speaking of ammo, it, it you, you're about so right about getting ammo early. The ammo shortage out there is getting drastic. Um, anybody who's going to hunt, 
needs to be looking at ammo that they're going to test and then hunt with right now, and they need to be trying it out. But it's difficult to do. If you see some, you better get it. Now, I know a lot of times you guys supply ammo for use at the range. How are you guys doing with ammo? Well, Terry, like I say, Colorado Clay's uh, lots of friends in the industry. So we have been and currently are stocking most all of the popular calibers and gauges of ammunition. Um, with the worldwide shortage, um, you know, we can only spare enough for our customers to use at our range. But we're sitting pretty good on that. Uh, anybody that wants to come out and shoot has trouble finding ammo, certainly um, give us a call if it's a odd caliber. Make sure we have it in stock. But most all of the popular, say, pistol, for example, your 380s, 9mm, 38 Special, 40, 45, uh, in stock, ready to go at Colorado Clays, 410, 28, 20, and 12-gauge shotgun, all in stock and ready to go for use here at Colorado Clays. So certainly come out and enjoy a weekend of shooting. Um, we have that covered for you, and we look forward to seeing you. All right, my friend, tell people how they find you. Give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to our website, coloradoclays.com. Take the virtual tour. Uh, send us an email if you have a question, but certainly make sure that you uh, uh, touch base with us, and uh, we'll get you going for all your shooting needs. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon, and I think those uh, those bass are calling us. They are, Terry. The bite is on, and I promise I'm coming for you next time. I'm taking that first fish title from you. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Thank you, Jr. <laughs> All right, Jr. Pierce, one of our true good friends from Colorado Clays. What a tremendous facility. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up this week's edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. A couple things I want to cover before we uh, maybe interact with our good friend Dan Jacobs. But one is uh, we covered a lot of great nuances to fishing. These are some great times to fish right now. And these nuances that we covered several times today can really make a difference. I will attempt to put the podcasts of those up on my Facebook page, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, on the Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, we'll put the the podcasts up, we'll put links. And then on The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, there is a video on almost every one of those that we talked about right on these local waters that you can go look at. So spend a little time there. Another thing I really want to talk about is being prepared for what your outdoor activity is. A lot of people are heading out and they haven't been in the outdoors for a long time or they're new to the outdoors, and they're, they don't understand their own capabilities, and they don't understand how quickly conditions can change, especially in our mountains here. I'm looking at a headline right now that says, Unprepared Hikers Rescued from Difficult Terrain Hazardous Weather Conditions in Colorado. The weather can turn very inclement very quickly in our mountain areas, and our, I've done search and rescue and our search and rescue crews are mostly volunteers, and they're getting stretched pretty thin by people getting into trouble. So I'm going to try to bring back some things we've done in the past to help prepare for this. I wrote some articles for the Denver Post when I was doing a column for them on outdoor survival. I'll bring those up and post them on our Facebook page, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. 
And I may, we used to do a, a, a both an outdoor survival and comfort series uh, where we'd get, we'd get experts on and talk about it. And I'm going to try to revive some of that, get some people back on, including uh, UV protection and sun protection at altitude. I've had two skin cancers removed, and it's, it, you know, the sun can really affect us quickly. As my wife, Karen, will tell you, I was out for just a short period last week wearing a gaiter on my face, but I had a short sleeve shirt, and I burnt my forearms. It just doesn't take long. So, And, you know, I don't always do what I preach. Sometimes I break the rules. So we need to cover some of that. So we're going to cover all that in some upcoming weeks. And we want you to get outdoors. We just want you to do it safely. Of course, our our fellow in the studio there, he gets outside, and the most heat he feels is from the smoker. He's got huge amounts of meat on. Is that right, Dan? Well, I try to golf a little bit more now, too. You know. Well, are you going to be part of the fan golf tour? A lot of people are requesting that uh, uh, that Dan Jacobs make appearances out there, so we'll see. A lot of people well, are know, asking in, me. You know, in fishing, you know what we say about golf in, in the fishing world? I don't know. Tell me. We, I, this is going to be good. We love golf. It keeps the unworthy off the water. <laughs> That's right. Hey, by the way, good <laughs> job. You actually got out. You've been fishing a lot. More that got out more, trying to get out more, and you know, and all, and not to pat us on the back, Karen and myself, but when we do get out and post it on our Facebook page, we don't just post glory pictures. I mean, we love to show off, but we we try to give some really good information on where we were and how we caught them and what the fish were doing. We're really trying to help people get out and enjoy fishing, and we did a lot of that on the show today too. So thank you for noticing. I didn't even see a negative comment from you. You must have been busy. Well, no, I just, uh, I'm so shocked. Normally, I've never known you to fish very much. You've lear- you're learning a lot from your guests. You're learning how to fish, so that's a good job. And <laughs> oh, jeez. I saw you actually, you post a lot of, like, great food pics and wine pics. You're actually posting. Now, Terry, you do a good job of, you know, posting pictures with other people's fish. This week, you posted pictures with your own fish. Good job out of you. Yeah, well, I've been fishing longer than most of our guests have been alive, which is hard to believe since I'm only in my 30s, right? That's right. In fact, in fact, I was your coach at one time, and how old are you? Uh, I am also 30. Oh, see, yeah, so it must have been a unique relationship. Yes. So I got I to gotta ask you, now that we know that nobody is going to be in the playoffs in Colorado this year anymore. That what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, the Nuggets got a big game the, four coming up, but tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. afternoon, tomorrow night, they're going to win four in a row. What do you mean? If the nu- if the Nuggets were smart, they would just make it a close, exciting game and not not make the trip back to Phoenix. <laughs> we know the Rockies aren't going to be out there, and the Broncos, even if they make it, won't start till next year. The playoffs, so so we I, I think we've seen as after Sunday, we might the Nuggets might win, we might see another, and I love the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets and Avs had great years. We know the Rockies aren't going anywhere. They're going to start looking to trade or sell players. And the Broncos, even if they make it, are a long ways away. So now people can concentrate on really enjoying the outdoors. But that being said, we do have Broncos training camp. We've had some of the OTAs and things. What's your gut feel right now if they don't add anybody else about where this Broncos team is going? Well, I finally Mike Cliss admitted what I've been saying for about two months now, and he's – now that the team wants them to kind of put this narrative out there, they're essentially, give or take a player here, they added Fuller, who's a nice cornerback, uh, they're essentially the same team that won five games last year. 
So, it's essentially the same roster. What do you think? What, you think they're going to win 10 games with the same roster? Oh, they're not going to have any injuries this year, Terry. Terry, have you ever known a football team in this day and age to go through without injuries whatsoever? They're going to have injuries. Maybe well, Von Miller's yeah. not injured. Somebody else gets injured. They're going to have well, injuries, are... right? Yeah, but there are some some nuances. You know, they've had a lot of offensive rookies that are heading into into their second year, which we should see improvement. Bridgewater's probably going to be the quarterback. If he's not, that means he pushed Locke to where he's doing better. So we should see better quarterback play. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, but I would look for some improvement. Okay, so some improvement, right, off of five-win season. How much is some improvement? Six games? Eight or nine wins. Nine wins? We got got 17 games this year. Yeah, nine wins, not happening. Come on, Terry. All right. Hey, listen, you you like hook and fish. Don't get fish hooked, Terry. Come on now. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to let you go so I can close this out and you can spew your venomous information. Thanks, Terry. All right. Thanks, Dan. As always, great talking to you. We're going to wrap up this edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Join us every Saturday from 9 to 11. Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Go to our YouTube channel and uh, watch watch on Facebook for podcasts. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and Dan Jacobson Sports on 104.3 The Fan. Man.